The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Senior Sunday. Can't believe it's here. I mean, like Don said, I felt like I was in kindergarten like two weeks ago. But it's fun. Uh, so the other day, me and Mom, we were driving down the road and talking about life after college. And we were just vibing. And all of a sudden, Mom starts crying. And I'm like, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm living in Portales. I'm going to Eastern. I'm living next door. Like, I don't understand why you're crying. And what she said blew my mind. And she said, I'm not sad that you're leaving. I'm sad that you're not going to need me anymore. And then she said, I have to get used to the new normal. And that absolutely blew my mind. And so I asked her if she came up with that. And apparently I was there. I just don't remember it. A couple summers ago, we went to the uh, Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And we were talking to this... Paralympic athlete who was a basketball player, but he was in a wheelchair. And he was a good basketball player, and he was involved in a car accident that removed the ability of both of his legs. So then he had to learn how to play basketball in a wheelchair because he loved the sport. And we asked him, we said, how are you, how did you make the transition from a regular basketball player to a basketball player in a wheelchair? He said, it was hard, but I just had to get used to my new normal. And so, after I heard all that, I was like, there's got to be a communion meditation in there somewhere. And so, I was thinking about connections, and I thought about the disciples after Jesus was put on the cross. Um, in Matthew 27, uh, 54 through 61, uh, it's just after, 53 is where it says, and Jesus died. And then 54 through 61 is talks about Joseph, who comes and he takes Jesus, and he prepares it, gives him basically a proper funeral. He takes him to the pit or the cave and buries him. And then and then it talks about Mary and Mary, which I thought was funny too. Mary's hanging out. And it talks about them sitting with the tomb. And so it kind of seems more like a regular funeral. And stick with me. I know it's morbid talking about a funeral on Senior Sunday, not trying to be creepy. But it gives me like the same vibes as... A funeral, basically. And so what we experienced, I'm feeling that they had that same mourning feeling of not being sad. Because whenever you're at a funeral, you're not sad that... You're sad that they're not with us anymore, but you know that eventually one day you're going to be together with them forever. You just have to get used to that new normal of having that connection, not in a different way. You have to get used to your new normal of not being able to talk to them every day from voice to voice, but in prayer and here not here but here and so sorry i lost my spot so after it's hard at the beginning but after a while every day it gets easier and easier college seniors i know myself but y'all are heading out and i want you all to remember keep that communication up make life a little bit easier for your parents because i know they're already on thin ice that we're graduating and just know that parents we're not gone we're coming back hopefully and that we still love y'all every single day our dear most gracious heavenly father we come to you right now we thank you for this wonderful day we thank you for me and all the seniors and we thank you for letting us get through this these hard past 13 years and we pray that through our next chapters of life you help us and guide us on all that we do in jesus name I pray amen You know you've all done it. An involuntary musical imagery, I-N-M-I, more, more commonly referred to as an earworm. An earworm is not a bug that crawls in your ear. An earworm is a song that gets stuck in your head that you wake up at 2 in the morning and, why is this there, all right? Uh, a lady named Kelly Jakubowski is a professor at Duke University. She did a study on these. She said humans spend up to 40% of our day engaging in spon spontaneous cognition, yet almost all humans have thoughts that are totally unrelated. She surveyed 3,000 people about this concept, and 98% of them admitted to dealing with earworms. And they arrived at a set of 100 songs that had similar characteristics that were and they compared their features, and they found that they shared certain melodic contours. 
frequently the, the songs that get stuck in our head, the first phrase has an upward tendency on the, the tone, and the second phrase has a downward tendency. And they used Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star as the example. And then they went in and they listed all of the songs that get stuck in their head. Here are the tops. Number one, as pop songs, <laughs> some of you are already, uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. And if you don't know it, then good. It doesn't get stick in your head. Number two, number two is uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good song. Uh, number three is Moves Like Jagger from, uh, from Maroon 5. And there's a list. Maroon, uh, Lady Gaga's on the top ten four times. Just, you know, saying. Um, Taylor Swift's on there a couple of times, too. So, uh, but then they did it in other genres, country music. Let me see if we can work this out as a group. Uh, don't tell my heart my... You're welcome. Because somewhere about 2.30 in the morning, you're going to be singing that song, and you're going you're to start sending me nasty texts. Dang it, Dawn. You're, uh, I've got friends in... Ah, all right, see, see, you just stepped right in there. You didn't even hesitate at that. And it goes across all genres. Parents, baby. All right, see, see. I, and, and all the moms are like, stop it. I, I've got cocoa melon in my head so much. All right? And then she went on in this paper to describe suggestions of how to get rid of earworms. The first suggestion, she said, was play the entire song. And embrace the song, which is really difficult when the song is Baby Shark that has 84 verses. Or this is the song that never ends. It goes on, you know, and you can't find a way to stop it. The other suggestion was chew a piece of gum, which really worries me about our academia right now. If that's the kind of studies that we're doing, is that's what the answer is, is chew gum to fix all your problems. But what if something gets stuck in your head mentally and, and it's not very good. You see, the enemy, the enemy that we have is called the deceiver. And he loves to confuse people. And he will pitch ideas that sound like Jesus, but they really aren't Jesus. We're in this series, Jesus Didn't Say That. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. If you're on the radio or, or uh, online, join us, get your Bibles out, join me in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read a passage... Now, we're looking in this series at things that have been ascribed to Jesus that he didn't necessarily say. Things that get ascribed to God that didn't really necessarily happen. And some of these have been challenging. Some of them, I've even gotten words from people that have been offended. And I'm not in any way trying to offend people, okay? But today's especially may step on some sacred cows that you grew up with. I want you to hear the whole thing out before you start throwing songbooks at me. And let's listen, because some of the things that Jesus said did not include, just ask me into your heart. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 9, if you join me there, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in his house, Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciple, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now when he heard this, he said, It's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners." Now, before we go any further, I want you to understand, I'm not questioning your salvation, okay? I'm not questioning anyone's salvation. But when I make a statement like, is it biblical to just ask Jesus into our heart, that's going to step on some of your toes. Because many of you grew up in a background that, that know that, and we call it the sinner's prayer or something like that. In 2011, Barna did a survey and said 46% of Americans have prayed that prayer. Question. Does it look like 46% of Americans are living like Jesus? I think that would be a little bit of a stretch. So, I, again, I'm not calling into 
question your salvation. But the sinner's prayer, you won't find in Scripture. It's not there. Now, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone invite me in, I will come in and eat with him. Now, a couple of questions there. That is aimed at the church, it is written to the church at Laodicea. It is written to a group of people. And it says, I will come in and eat with you. I get that the inference is fellowship with you. Well, yes, that's totally fine. But it's aimed at a church that is lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. And he's saying, I want to be with you. Now, there are other scriptures that have similar thoughts, but but it's never commanded and it's never even inferred to say, just ask Jesus in your heart. I don't think that's wrong. I'm just saying it's not in there. Another phrase that we use, secondly, is accept Jesus into your heart. And sometimes the word, the phrasing accept him has a connotation of, well, I'll let you in, Jesus. I'll let you in my world. I, I accept you. And it has this connotation of, I'm still in control. But the problem there is, that's not what Jesus said to Matthew. What Jesus said to Matthew, he said, follow me. There is a distinct command, follow me. There is an inferred command, you need to do what I do. You need to walk like I walk. You need to go the ways that I way. I go. It says later on in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 50 that, my brother and sister and family are those that do the will of my Father. You hear me? There is, a, there is an implication that following has action involved. Not just accepting, not just asking. It is acting on my faith. Okay? Now, but I understand that is challenging to some of us. And sometimes we let casual phrases into our lives... And they may not speak the truth. Now, they may not be completely wrong, and these phrases aren't bad, but they can be misleading. Let me see if I can make some sense of this with this illustration. How many of you in the room, by show of hands, have been repelling? Okay, a few of you have been repelling, okay? Repelling is the art of getting on a rope and getting on belay and put the helmet on and put the harness on and you put all the stuff on and the gloves and you back up to an edge and there's a belay host that there's a rope that goes down. They're holding on to it. There's all of these things. There's hoists, there's harnesses, there's helmets. And then there's this point where you've got all this stuff on and you start backing up to the edge and then they tell you to lean back. And you lean back and you look and there's nothing down there but rock way down there. And there's no pillows. And, and the only thing you're holding on to is rope that's about this big. So let me see if I can summarize all of our theological and emotional feelings at that moment. It's something like this. Ah! Okay? Anybody in here scared of heights? All right. Okay. So. But we've gone through the training. All right? We're going to go repelling. We're going we're gonna, to. You see, if, if they've taught you right. And you trust the harness, and you trust the belay host, and, and, and those that have gone on down there before you. you. You back up to it, you pray, you might cross yourself, you might do all kinds of things, all right? You, uh, uh, you check the rope for the 400th time, and then you start to lean back. Eventually, if you do it correctly, you will get perpendicular to the wall, and parallel to the ground with nothing to catch you except that rope. And then the next words they utter to you are this. Jump. Might as well say, pay off the national debt because I can't do that either. All right. You want me to what? Uh, I'm hanging on to this rope. And so they say, just jump. Just jump a little bit. We got you. Just jump. And so you jump. And the reality is your first jump is about two inches. All right. It feels like it's about two miles, all right, you know, because you are completely suspended in air for a millisecond, all right, and then your feet hit the rock again, and then, and eventually you start to loosen up a little bit, and you start going down, and you, you've seen it in movies, haven't you? You know, they kind of bounce down, and pretty soon you hear the zzz of the, of the rope and the gears, and, and, and in a few minutes you're down on the ground, and you're high-fiving everybody, and everything's cool. But 
What if, what if there is a second person that comes behind you? And they've got the harness, and they've got the helmet, and they've got the rope, and they get all the way up here, and the guy, the guy says, lean back, and they don't. And they stand there for a second, like a lot of us would, and they finally, they just, they get down on their knees, and they edge off the, the side, and they cling to the rock, and they climb down the rock, right? Inch by inch, one by one, even still having the harness on, even still having the helmet on. Sometimes they're all scraped up on here because they've gone down on the rock. They get all the way to the ground. Here's my question. Did the second person go repelling? I would suggest no. Now, but here's the kicker. They went through the training. They had all the equipment right. You hear me? They had all of the, the knowledge of the process. They just didn't trust the process. Is this making sense? They didn't trust what was going on. They didn't have confidence whether it was the rope or the belay host or the hinges or the harnesses. They just couldn't do it. And sometimes we're a little like that person. Friends, there are points in our faith walk that we cannot pass until we are confident that Jesus can support the full weight of our soul. Now, most of you can look at this sentence right here and say, are you confident that Jesus can wear the, carry the weight of your soul? Most of us would easily raise our hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, easy. Will you? The question is, will you trust the rope? Seniors, will you trust that we have carried you, we have built you up, we have poured into you? Now, hang on to God. You see, Jesus never asked you to accept Him. He asked you to follow Him over the edge. He asked you to follow Him. And if we don't follow Him, we're, we're, never to, we're never going to exceed where we are right now. You'll never have the strength to say no to sin until you realize the yes that you have in Jesus. You'll never have freedom from the stress of bills until you are truly at ease and confident that Jesus will supply your every need. And then you can begin to tithe correctly. You can begin to handle your money correctly. You can begin to handle your time correctly. When you truly trust, He will take care of everything. Radical obedience will not make sense. When the preacher gets up here and says, man, we've got to go to Dominican. We've got to serve people. We've got to do things. It's not going to make any sense until you're convinced of his radical love for you. You see, salvation was never about accepting Jesus. It was surrendering to him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You just sang that. I will make room for you to do what you want to do. New wine. There is new power, new freedom, and the kingdom is near. What a powerful thought. Now, friends, I need you to hear this. I believe that salvation is a moment and a process. Okay? Now, hear me out. I believe it's a moment and the process at the same time. There is a moment when I come to Jesus, when I listen to Him and I see what he has, that He has bought and paid for me, when I make the conscious choice to put Him first in my life, to admit my sins and realize I can't fix it on my own. Then I am saved, sanctified, bam, done, right? But it's also a process. Anybody ever remodeled a house? Okay, you all have done it once or a hundred times. Uh, I'm... Does it ever happen in a day? It can. I won't be good. Uh, you know, it won't be quality work. It takes time. It is a process of remodeling. The Holy Spirit has to come in and, and begins to change my heart and my desires and my goals. Salvation is not a religious milestone that I check. Okay, I prayed a prayer. Whoo, good. I got in the water. Whoo, good. I am safe. You see, I've seen people do that. And they, they accept Jesus at something when they're 14. They pray a prayer. They go get baptized. And then we don't see them for 70 years. 
And then when they're 80 years old and they die, we print in the paper that they were a member of that church. Really? I haven't seen them anywhere near God in all of that time. And I think that's scary. I think that's dangerous. I think that's bad theology. See, religion tells me if I'll act a certain way and I'll check off a few boxes, then it'll change me. But God is saying, I want to change your heart. And it is only when we let Him have control of our plans, our money, our attitude, our kids, will we ever feel freedom in Christ. Seniors, graduates now, you'll only feel free when you surrender. You're going to have problems. Any adult in here going to argue with me on that? You're going to have something go haywire in your life. You will feel the freest when you surrender. Now that's harsh, I know. And I want to restate, I am in no way questioning anyone's salvation. We've already had people coming up. Are you saying I'm not really? No, I just, I want you to understand. I want us to know exactly what is expected here. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus tells a bunch of people, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross once in a while and, and follow me. No, that is not what it says. Take up your cross every Sunday. Take up your cross daily. It is a daily surrender. Yes, I believe baptism is vitally important. Yes, I believe prayer is vitally important. But they are not the end game. They are steps. We need to be people that surrender every day. You see, Jesus had dinner with Matthew. Now, this doesn't sound as shocking as it really is. But Jesus invades Matthew's life. Do you notice that? He didn't ask Matthew's permission. He walked up and invaded his life. Hey, uh, follow me. Oh, and while we're at it, uh, bring your friends. Oh, and we're going to your house to eat, so uh, let's do that. He didn't ask his permission. He, He just, he invaded. In those days, in those days, people that wanted to follow a leader, they... Uh, they went to a rabbi and begged, hey, please let me be your follower. And, and Jesus comes in, flips the table and says, hey, you, follow me. You come with me. Most of those guys would say, oh, I'll do anything to be your follower. I'll work for free. I'll do this stuff. Jesus says, you come with me. And then Jesus went to his house and Jesus went to his friends. He was extraordinarily comfortable with people that were nothing like him. Do we get out? Wild, that really is. That is absolutely crazy. But he made followers because he made friends with people. He didn't go, get your stuff fixed and then we'll be friends. He said, let's go eat. Let's be friends. Let's get to know each other. Let's fellowship. Now, I want to make a little side note here too. If you are not a Christian... Or or you haven't been to church in a long time and you're here or you're watching online, you're listening. I want you to feel welcome here. And if you feel anything but welcomed and loved, that's on us. Okay, we want that. But a lot of people, they'll come to church and they won't feel welcomed. Well, Jesus is out. Church is out. God is out. All right. If we've blown it, I'm sorry. We want to be better. Okay, I think we're pretty friendly. True. I think we're pretty friendly, but we, I want us to never take that lightly. We want you to feel welcomed and wanted and friends. You see, Jesus didn't come for those that think correctly. I think we have this Americanized church idea that says, let's get a bunch of people that look the same, that think the same, that act the same. Let's all get them together in the building and let's start pointing at everybody else. And Jesus says, hey, it's... The healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick people that need a doctor. That's kind of offensive if you really look at it. But it's right. We do. We are sick. We need healing. And people that admit it, people that have the guts to admit they've blown it, I have much more respect for you. I am thrilled and honored that we are associated with eight different AA groups that meet at this church or at the campus house. I am thrilled that they are part of this 
And while I don't go to these meetings, I am thrilled that we can be with people that have struggled. And I want you to know if you're struggling, whatever it is that you're struggling with, we want to be with you. You're going to hear stories of tragedy and loss, but in those meetings you're going to see people that, that admit we've blown it. Friends, you'll get more healing from Jesus when you do it His way. It is better, it's so much better your way, is one of the songs we sing. And I love Be Thou My Vision, one of favorite hymns, one of my favorites. We get kind of torn up in the old English of it, because we don't understand the thous and the these. But what it really means is the songwriter is saying, I want my eyes set on you. I I want you to be everything I see, and I want you to be Lord of my life. That is not somebody that's just... Hey, I, I think you're okay, Jesus. I want you. Do you realize that who was uh, outside of this dinner party? The religious people. The, things that, the people that had the right words, that had the right behavior, that had the right actions, that thought they were all correct. They thought they behaved correctly. Their first thought was, we're better than those people. One version says, we're better than those scum. Why is he hanging out with those scum? Their first thought was, we're better than. The Pharisees kept looking at people and say, well, if you people will change and be like us, then you can come join us. And Jesus said, hey, why don't you come join me and, and watch how you get changed. He didn't ask Matthew to have a little part of his life. You notice that? Hey, Matthew, can I squeeze in a little of me in your Sunday? No. Follow me. I want all of you. I want all of it. And I love this Francis Chan quote. Millions call themselves followers, but look and act nothing like Jesus. Friends, being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It's actually a requirement. Because that's all there are, right? All of us have blown it. Yes? If you're not raising your hand, if you're not amen in that, there's something wrong, all right? Because we have all blown it. Every single person that followed Jesus is a sinner. Every single one. The people that resisted following Jesus are the ones that thought they had it figured out. The ones that are holding back are the ones that are not listening to what He's saying. Well, there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Yes, there is. There's room for one more. All right. <laughs> there is no sin, no addiction, no sickness, no baggage that puts you outside of the circle that has been invited. Being a disbeliever doesn't disqualify you. How many of, of the disciples had it all figured out when they followed Jesus? I'll do the math for you. It's zero, okay? None of them did. Matthew, follow me. Okay. And he throws away his career. Do you realize what he did? He he just gets up. I want you. Peter says later on, he says, where else could we go? You're the one that has the words of life. I want to go with you. I don't want to go partially with you. I don't have it all figured out. I want your words. You see, the invitation to follow is an invitation to relationship. Saying a prayer does not qualify us. Following does. You hearing me? Being baptized doesn't. Following does. So the question needs to be then, am I following? Am I following? Not, what do I know, and how do I dress, and, and do, do I have enough memorized, or did, did I bring the right version of the Bible, and, and do I attend church all the time? Am I following what He said? You realize Jesus did say, believe in Me. He said it five times. He said, follow Me over 20 times. Friends, I want us to be people of the Word And know what it says. Earworms of simple thoughts might be there, but they might be misleading. 
And if you want him to be Lord of every part of your life, that's what we want. If you want to surrender everything. Now we can pray and we can and we can pray for you and pray with you. We can baptize you. But do not leave this place casual about forever. Anybody heard of C.S. Lewis? Seems like he wrote a book or 500. I, I don't know. He wrote a ton, right? A day, I, I read a quote that describes a day in, in 1951 where he said, I passed from an intellectual acceptance of doctrine to a realization that in Jesus all of my sins were forgiven. That was when he was 80. That's when he had, after he had written all of those fantastic books, and he already understood everything, and then he, it like, boom, light bulb, everything made sense. It's not just a theological, it's not a theoretical, it's a physical realization. Jesus did it. I want to follow him. I don't want this to be a guilt, I don't want this to be a wagon finger. I want this to be a deepening of our relationship. I don't think you need to get rebaptized. I don't think you need to say the prayer again. I think you need to go deeper. And that's the song I would love for to be on repeat in your head. I would love for the song of a follower to be in your head. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Everyone's behind me and the cross is before me. I am not turning back. That's what our hope for you today is. That we will be followers. Father God, we praise you and we glorify you. We want to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.